Welcome to Jim Galliano's Building a Better Web Presence podcast. Build something better with less moving parts, less overhead, and less headaches. Hey everyone, this is Jim Galliano. Thanks for joining me for today's podcast episode. Today's June the 13th. I'm glad you're here. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the struggles solo entrepreneurs face in 2023. Actually, they're very similar to the struggles entrepreneurs faced in 2020. And for that matter, the years leading up to that. Struggles, I don't know, maybe we could use the term evergreen to describe a lot of them. Like, for example, we could talk about limited time, limited resources. Actually, time is a resource we can talk about financial resources and the limitations that you face having to work with whatever it is that you have and that nagging feeling that you just don't have enough to get from where you are to where you want to be. So it can become a vicious circle and it could lead you to a place where you're dealing with self-doubts and you really feel bad about what you're doing and you're wondering, you're second guessing your moves. And I know I've been there myself I think inward beliefs play a big part in the journeys that we take individually, that entrepreneurial path that you're traveling. And I think it's normal to wrestle with at times self-doubt. I mean, unless you are a complete egomaniac, I think that when you recognize your skills, you recognize your limitations, and then you see other people. Unfortunately, we often compare our weaknesses with other people's strengths and thereby magnify what it is that we can't do. But I believe that just like anything else in life, you can grow, you can develop a belief, a strong belief, faith in what it is that you create and your ability to solve problems in the business world and your ability to grow and scale a business. And a lot of times our beliefs are based on our initial experiences And if you think about it, the first time that you try to do anything, most of the time that experience is not a successful one. From the day you were a baby learning how to stand up and walk for the first time, you were met with failure before you succeeded. Although in your younger years, there was a sense of anticipation and enjoyment that went with each learning experience. But the older that you get... I think that sometimes people are expecting to maybe make progress much faster because they are older, but still it doesn't make any difference whether you're 20 years old, 40 years old, or 60 years old, or the age really doesn't matter, or, or you're you know 10 years old. If you're doing something for the first time, something that you've never done before, you can't reach back to past experiences and allow those successes from the past to give you confidence in the present. Oftentimes, all you have to reach back to when you've only done something or tried something a few times is failure. And failure never feels good. It always feels good when you hit the bullseye. It never feels great when you miss it. But yet, if you're trying to do something that you've never done before, maybe build a successful business, maybe build a a six-figure business, maybe make $10,000 a month, And all of your experiences leading up to this very point where you're listening to my voice today have ended in failure, then it becomes easy, especially the older that you get, to project just more of the same as you move into the future. And that's what I mean by negative 
beliefs. I think that sometimes maybe we're a little too hard on ourselves. Maybe sometimes not so hard, not hard enough. But I think we make excuses and we settle when there's really no reason to settle. I remember once someone asked the uh, former heavyweight world champion Evander Holyfield why he was married so many times. I think he was on his fifth wife. And the answer he that he gave was, I had to laugh when I heard it. He said that I didn't get it right the first time, but I didn't give up. I didn't give it right the second time, but I didn't give up. Long story short, he was on wife number five, and he felt that he had learned from each of his previous marriages enough to finally become a good husband. Now, I know that if we had a group of people here and we were discussing that topic and him in particular, I'm sure there'd be all kinds of (laughs) opinions, both for and against what he did or him as an individual. But when we turn the mirror back on our own lives, I think that we are each faced with the situation. We can either just give up and say, hey, we're no good at this, or we can keep trying. Now, in the context of this conversation, we're talking about business. And just because you've never succeeded before in doing something that looks huge, maybe right now, doesn't mean that you can't. I mean, success stories and the people that give the um, inspirational speeches are filled with people who did, who were just normal people and did extraordinary things. And so there's no reason why you can't do that. And I think that is a belief that you need to ask yourself, do I have that or not? Do I have the belief that I could do something that by my own personal standards would be considered extraordinary at this point in my life? Do I have that capability in me? I believe you do, but what really matters is, do you believe you do? Now, today's episode is sponsored by two of my own marketing resources. I just want to touch on this quickly, especially for those of you who listen to me say the same thing every week. I have the Digital Strategist Newsletter, which is my monthly newsletter. It's available at jimsnewsletter.com. I think you'll enjoy it. And my big course, The One-to-Many System, which is a complete marketing program, business program, which is available at one-to-many-system.com. If you haven't checked either of those out yet, jimsnewsletter.com or one-to-many-system.com, go ahead and check those things out today. Now, Uh, Getting back to what I was saying about the challenges that we face and the beliefs, I wasn't even going to talk about beliefs, honestly. I was just one of those things that I think about that even in my own life, I can point to times where I was filled with belief and optimism about a project that I was doing and about my outlook on what was down the road, both near term, short term, and long term. And I can also point to days, maybe within that same week, where I woke up feeling the exact opposite, questioning whether I was heading down the right road, questioning whether this was a project that I should even be involved with. And, you know, when you have that kind of thing where it appears like you don't have an anchor, you don't have something solid that you're standing on, you don't have a solid foundation, then you live your life based on how you feel. And how you feel oftentimes isn't even logical. I mean, one day you can feel like things are going great. The other day, you don't. You feel like things are, are going terrible and nothing's changed outwardly. These are just things that you're projecting in your mind. So sometimes you just got to get out of your mind, start doing the work 
And but let's get back to this topic of the struggles that we face. So there there are internal struggles, and I can just tell you that when you're not feeling particularly good on any given day, all other things being equal, you know that you don't have some type of painful injury that you're dealing with, or somebody that close to you didn't just recently die, or something like that. All things being equal, there's nothing really great. There's nothing really bad happening. It's just a normal day. Let's just say that you know, feelings can be up or they can be down. And I'm not a big believer in uh, medication. I come from a generation where medication was like the last resort, not like the first resort. And I believe that sometimes you just have to focus on putting good things into your life, positive reinforcements, rather than focusing on taking out the bad things. Because the first action comes from a positive place of hope, something that you're adding, something that you're doing The other starts from a position of failure, having already failed, trying to fix broken things. It's almost like if I can give a a visual analogy of it, you have a bucket of dirty water. The object is, is to remove the dirt from the water. Your options are trying to skim out the dirt and skim it off the top, or the other way would be to just to take a hose, turn on the water and stick that hose in there and just let the pressure of the good water coming in flush the bad things out. It's just a simple analogy, but I found that it works not just in life in general, but also in business. Now think about how that could be applied to one of the most common challenges most entrepreneurs face, and that's limited resources. As an individual, you may have limited financial resources to work with. You have limited time. Maybe you're raising a family. You have a young family limited manpower compared to the larger businesses that you feel like you need to compete with. And this makes it a challenge to do things like investing in marketing or outsourcing certain tasks. And as a result, you feel like the growth of your business has been slowed to a crawl. Now, there are things that are legitimate when we're talking about limited resources. What I'm saying is that You're not just making it up in your mind. You're not just imagining it. You do have limited resources, and that limitation is affecting your business. But when you start thinking about what would be the ways that we could solve this, let's start not just identifying the problem, but let's start reaching for solutions. And that's where where the rubber really meets the road. This is what separates the people that eventually break through. Even if it takes a really long time, there's usually a reason for that. Sometimes we reach for solutions in slow motion or we overanalyze the thing that could help us the most and it takes us a long time to finally take action. But some of the solutions may revolve around things like prioritizing what it is that we're doing. In other words, identify the key areas of what you're working with, the business that you have right now that you need to allocate your resources to to get the best kind of return for yourself and what what it is that you're building. So prioritizing investments, that's one of the first places I would start. Now in the past, having a very small business, I noticed that I was comparing what I had to what fully grown, fully developed businesses had. Maybe they had a special department just for people who were having questions, problems, issues. So they had a, a little support staff that was available there and I didn't. They had their very own marketing system that they used effectively. They would send out communications regularly, and I wasn't. And, you know, I would just go right down the list. But the point of the matter was the thing that was holding me back the most 
had to do with cash flow. And so, yeah, it would have been great to have a customer support team available at the time. Yes, it would have been great for me to have the time to sit down and write out weekly emails and do all of that. But the real fact of the matter was I wasn't meeting enough people that could potentially use the services that I was selling. I was growing a digital agency at the time. My main product was website development coupled with digital marketing. And back in those days, that usually meant two things. It meant email marketing plus your website. So that was really the problem. So when it came to prioritizing my investments, what I was doing was I was taking 100% of what I had available to me as far as resources. Resources being defined as money, time, energy, focus. And there were, let's say, four problem areas or four areas that I identified my business needed to grow in in order to be comparable to a fully mature business in this marketplace. And so what I did was, instead of saying, for those of you who play games, um, you know how you get like certain amount of points that you can spread out in several different areas. Well, instead of spreading things out, sometimes it's better to focus all of your resources on fixing one problem and fixing it right. I spread out my resources Let's just call them points. Let's say somebody gave me 50 points and I had four different areas of uh, challenge. And so I might put, you know, 10 points or 15 points in one area, 15 points on another. And I would kind of break it down like that. And it was not getting me anywhere fast. It's kind of like the person that has five credit cards that they're deeply in debt with and they pay a little bit each month on each credit card. It takes forever to get out of debt that way. What you need to do is you pay the minimum on all of them but one, you put all your extra resources on paying one off the fastest, and then you take the extra money that you have not having to pay card number five anymore, you put that all down on card number four, you focus all your extra resources on paying off card number four until that's completely paid off, and then you have the resources freed up from cards four and five now, and you put that plus any other extra you have on card three, paying the minimum on card one and two, and the bottom line is once you get to your last card, you will pay that off faster than any of the other preceding four cards because you have now 100% of your resources focused in on paying that single card off. Okay, does that make sense? I know I'm talking kind of quickly through this, but just for time's sake, You have to focus your resources on fixing one problem and fixing it absolutely. And so rather than focusing on something that would have increased my income directly, immediately, I focused it on other areas, which was not really the wise thing to do. And I learned with time how to do that. Now, sometimes when you look at your limitations, you have to ask the question, is it really that your resources of time and money are that limited or is it really more of a matter of you're trying to do too many things? So for example, if you've listened to previous episodes of this podcast, I talked about email newsletters and putting those newsletters together. And for example, a newsletter can tick a whole bunch of boxes all at the same time and it's only one activity. Even if you have just like a single article or two short articles in a newsletter, If you send it to your existing clients, then you're not out of sight and you're not out of mind. Even if you don't have anything to sell or upsell yet, the idea here is that it's a marketing activity. Putting a newsletter together, putting it out once a month is a marketing activity or can be considered 
a marketing activity. And so again, even if you have nothing to sell, you could talk about what's new in the industry, what people are talking about, things to be aware of, your five favorite whatever, and you send it out to your client base. Most of your competitors, if you're in a service-based industry, aren't doing that. Unless you're directly involved in a project, most of the people who pay for digital services and run digital service companies, they're out of sight, out of mind, unless there's a problem, something needs to be fixed, or something like that needs to occur. This is one of the things that enabled me to grow my business was that I was spending my personal time investing in communicating with my existing customer base. I wasn't out of sight, out of mind with most of them. Now, some of them, granted, they didn't want to hear from me. They didn't want my newsletters. The website was like number 10 on their list of important things. But when I looked at my complete client base, those individuals were probably about two or 3% of my total client base. Everybody else appreciated the fact that I was reaching out to them, making sure everything was okay, thinking of ways to improve what it is that they were doing out. They appreciated deeply. None of my competitors were doing that. Now, here I am, fast forward to today in 2023. I'm 25 years in business, and very few people can say that they've had the same clients going on two decades in a row. Most of my competitors have lost their clients and then some since that time. A lot of them are out of business. And I learned this from the entrepreneurs of previous generations, those who went out of their way to have personal interaction with their customer base, with their clients, were the ones that their businesses, their ventures stood the test of time. So getting back to this, yes, we all have limited resources. Time is one of them. But there are ways that you can do fewer things and get a much better return as opposed to doing many things and not getting a return at all, or just trying to do too many things and barely making a ripple in the pond. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about prioritizing your investments. If you're a small business, you can do things that the large business cannot. You're not going to find a large business competitor being personal with all of their clients. Now, one of the easiest ways, again, to do this is with a newsletter, personalized newsletter correspondence, something like that. And the nice thing about it is, and this, believe me, this isn't about newsletters. I'm just talking about some of the challenges that we face as entrepreneurs and overcoming them. A newsletter is just a simple way to do all of that, to stay connected with people and to show them that you care about the challenges they're facing and how you can maybe help them overcome some of those challenges or maybe even many of them. Okay, let me circle back to the time management challenge. So initially I spoke about resources, limited resources, mainly focusing on finances. But when you think about time, time is definitely a resource. We definitely have a limited amount of it, regardless of our income status, regardless of the kind of business that we're managing. But when you think about the responsibilities that come with business, a lot of people still find difficulty in managing their time effectively, regardless of the size of their business. If you've ever listened to interviews with multimillionaires, billionaires, people that have huge business portfolios, most of them admit to working very long hours, even though maybe they've been successful for decades already, even if they have teams of people surrounding them, they are the captains of the ship. 
And there is always a demand on their time because they sit in a position of leadership. It's kind of like the president of a country or the prime minister of a country. You can say that, well, what work do they really do? But are their minds ever really clear? Even if they're on vacation, even if they're on a yacht somewhere, the work is always there. It's always at the doorstep. Even if they're just signing off on things or getting counsel from teams of attorneys or communicating with their personal assistants throughout the day, the work never really ends unless they're asleep. And you got to wonder how some of these people sleep. But I just wanted to put that in perspective, just in case you feel like the demands on your time are overwhelming or you feel overwhelmed by the kind of business that you're trying to build. Now, when I first started my agency business, I looked at it the way a lot of service providers did at that time. I was trading time for money, which was fine. I needed money to pay the bills. In the beginning, I wasn't worried about working hard hours, long hours, around the clock, 12 hour days. None of that mattered, but eventually I had to recognize a few things. During some quiet downtime when I really re started running the numbers, I realized that if I, even if I had enough service-oriented work to fill all of my billable working hours, I still wouldn't be making enough money, the kind of money that I believed I should be making, that I needed to make, that I wanted to make, that I started a business to make, which led me to the next logical question, Am I not charging enough? Am I doing something wrong? Let's start with the billing. So when I looked at what I was charging at the time, the answer was no, I wasn't charging enough. But then I followed that with another question. If I charged what I needed to charge, would I retain most of my existing clients? And before just answering a flat yes or no, I wanted to do a little bit of digging and find out if my existing clients, most of them anyway, would be able to afford me. But I wanted to do the research. I wanted to dig and find out. The answer after I did some digging was no. If I raised my rates, I would have lost many, if not most, of my existing clients. Okay, so I'm just looking at all of this on paper right now, and I recognize the fact that I would need a different kind of clientele to be able to do what I wanted to do. So there was a solution. But the idea of going after a different type of clientele, especially the kind that I knew that I needed at that point, just the thought of doing that was overwhelming to me, mentally speaking, the moment that realization hit me. I needed one that had a client that had deeper pockets and one that ultimately I would have to face an army of competitors to connect with. Not only that, as a side note, let me just throw this question out to you. Maybe you know the answer, maybe not, but <clears throat> how long do you think the average, let's say a big city, high dollar agency, it can be any kind, advertising, design, whatever. How long do you think on average they keep their high dollar clients? Now, even if we're not talking about the highest of the high dollar, how long do you think the average client stays with that, with that agency? One year, two years, five years, 10 years? The answer is the last time I checked, 3.2 years, that's the average. Some stay a little longer, some stay a little less. So imagine this, imagine having a client and you're making a significant amount of money every month and every year with that client. This scenario could play out like a feast or famine type of cycle because ultimately, according to the statistics, you're going to have that person 3.2 years, that company. 
they'll be your client for 3.2 years. It may be less than that, or it may be a little bit more. But at the end of the day, think about the competitors. Think about the competition. All of those things are realities that you just can't brush off to the side and pretend they're not there. They're all things that you have to deal with, not just when the event itself happens and you lose that account, but while you're doing your best day in and day in, week in and week out, month in and month out to make that client happy. I look at all of the big agencies around the world, those that have lost high dollar clients, and I don't think for a minute that they didn't make the effort to make that client happy. Still, again, we go back to the statistics and it is what it is. It's kind of like winning a championship in sports. How long do you think you can defend that title? How many years can you defend that title? But what happens when you lose the client? How do you respond to that large chunk, that loss of income? And so what type of stress comes with that? What type of stress comes with going after high-dollar clients? Well, compare that to the stress that comes with losing high-dollar clients. And is this the future that you want to build for yourself? And it sounds ridiculous when you ask the question because obviously many people have said, well, not many, but enough people have said yes over the years that there are still those types of companies out there. But I want to bring this back to you. What does this have to do with managing your time? The answer is simple. We look at extremes, and that way we can look at ourselves and put it all in in the proper proportion. Make sure you recognize exactly what it is that you're building with your current time investment, because you may be building something that's going to require even more time, even more energy to maintain than it has to even get it off the ground. See, in a perfect world, we put the energy in up front and then we get paid dividends on the back end. It's not quite as hard to maintain it. You know, in bodybuilding, once you build yourself up, once you lose the weight, it's not really that difficult to maintain it as long as you don't fall off the boat completely. I mean, you could skip every now and then, but scientists say that the body struggles to maintain its current state of health. But the point here is is that if you're putting time and energy into something now and you're going to have to put even more in later, it's now's the time to realize whether or not you're making a mistake. Now's the time to make the correction, not when you're in the middle of it. I think that's why so many people sell software companies after running them for like a decade. I've seen this again and again and again. Businesses get bought up. They started out small. They got bigger. They become overwhelming for the people managing them. Same thing with the digital agency world. I see the same pattern there where people build, they build, they build, and they burn out and they have to get out. Hopefully they can find a buyer, but that's not always the case. Now that you know this on the front end, isn't it easier to make a plan as a solo entrepreneur and consider the business model, which involves multiple streams of online income instead of one single large stream? Multiple streams of online income will be just as important, I believe, to most people getting started, getting established today. Multiple streams of online income will be just as important to their financial well-being in the future years to come, Lord willing that you're still here, as, as having a diversified portfolio is to an investment manager. Diversification provides the kind of safety, the ability 
to keep on keeping on over the long haul that you're not going to get with a lot of other approaches to business growth. Right now, you may be thinking, well, how do I actually go about building multiple streams of online income? And what about the old parables that talk about the person chasing two rabbits catching neither? Shouldn't I just focus on building one thing? I think that's a great question, but I think we need to start with the foundation. How many businesses do you own online? For example, if a person has four websites, do they have four different businesses? And what if each website is selling something different? Let's apply that thinking to a retail store for comparison's sake. They're both businesses. Can the same store, retail store, that sells men's sportswear also sell women's sportswear? What about camping gear? Can the same store sell three different things? Let's take it another step further. What about candy or refrigerated drinks at the checkout? Can the same store sell all of those things and still be a single business? Do you need a separate business for each? Of course, the answer to all of these things is no. A single store can have multiple departments. And so as far as your mindset goes, you have a single business. An online business can follow those same principles. You can sell multiple products under your personal brand. For example, you, you can have a company brand. You can do it that way too, but you can also do it under your personal brand. And some of these products maybe you create for yourself while others you're just an affiliate for. You know, sometimes it makes sense to have multiple websites dedicated to different types of products, but why not put them all under a single brand? In this case, your personal brand. It makes everything much easier. Marketing, advertising, and everything else. And so, don't be afraid to expand your vision of what your business could become. Instead of offering a solution, maybe it makes more sense to think in terms of solutions and plan for the future with that in mind. All right, I think that's about all for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you think it will help a friend, please go ahead and share the episode link with them. Share it on Facebook, Twitter, or wherever else you may be, or send them directly to jimgalliano.com forward slash podcast. Back episodes can be found there as well. Thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your week, and I'll talk to you later. Bye.